0: Hey, it's Bridget and Liz, and you're listening to Dude, Dude Guess, Guess what? what? Hey, hey, welcome to the Dude, Guess What? podcast, episode 27.
1: Yeah, it's, uh, we're almost a 30. Like, that's crazy.
0: I know. I was actually looking back at these, like, over the weekend, because I was with my in-laws, and, um, I was telling them, I was like, yeah, we've done this many episodes, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, holy cow, we've been doing this since March. Yeah, that's crazy.
1: Um, today I'm excited because we have a special um, guest on, um, Britta Marcy. Hey, guys. Yeah, so um, Britta and I, our husbands um, went to medical school together and they like all formed this little group and studied and so, yeah, we're excited to have you on. Thanks.
2: I'm excited to be here.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Liz, anything crazy that happened this week?
0: Anything crazy? Well, we went on our first, I mean, I don't know, define crazy. Anything, leaving the house is like crazy for me right now. (laughs) So um, we just went on our first little like long drive. We went down to Ephraim and visited Ryan's parents over the weekend and we just did a day trip and that was yesterday. And like, it's wild how much, Sorry, I'm about to like what is it called? Eat crow or whatever it is. What what's the saying? Because remember, like uh, I don't know. I was like, you don't need to bring that much stuff with your kids. Oh, uh, like you're
1: eating your own words. Yeah, eating
0: my own words or whatever it is. Yeah, um, because it's crazy how much stuff you have to bring for like a three-hour excursion <laughs> for your baby. So yeah, um, you end up bringing a lot more stuff than you think that you're going to need or that you should need. And that was fun. It was it was fun to get out but I am like a little bit tired from like being around people and I don't know, and having the baby, but that was about it. That's my life's kind of just revolves around Robbie right now and trying to get him to, you know, sleep. So
1: I think that's so funny, dude, because like every time we ever travel anywhere, you're always like, you've been so much crap. Like, I mean, you do bring a
0: lot of crap. I am definitely an overpacker. That is yeah. for sure. It's like I wonder if they have diapers in this city. Yeah, uh huh. Pretty sure every uh, convenience store has diapers.
1: You gotta always be prepared. It's like uh,
2: Boy Scouts. Boy Scouts. Yeah. Do anyway. you have
1: anything fun or crazy this week, Britta?
2: Oh no, I don't know, man. It's the second week of school for Eliza, so I feel like we're just finally getting into our routine of school, like getting used to waking up earlier and. Yeah. All of that going on. She's doing dance now. And oh, that's so fun. It's been fun to just watch her kind of step into this older role and develop over the past two weeks and make friends and get used to school and hear all the things she's learning. But it's also kind of sad because I'm like, oh man, I'm getting old and my kids are growing up. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, it's like a double edged sword in a way, but it's been a lot of fun. And Caleb. Schedule just got switched. So now he's off on weekends, which is just a freaking blessing. And that is giving me like a breath of fresh air because last month he was working like crazy. And I'm like, I actually get to see you now. <laughs> so, oh my heck, I can't even. So, Liz
1: um, and forever, like, so uh, Berta's husband, Caleb, he mashed into emergency medicine. So, oh, okay. He's, or it's called emergency medicine, right?
2: Yeah. Okay. Yeah,
1: emergency medicine. Um, and so they're that's where they're in for residency right now. And I'm like, just hearing everybody else's, uh, like residency stories. Cause we live in an area where there are a bunch of residents here. Cause there's a lot of, um, different specialties at Oklahoma state, like mm-hmm. a lot of different. And so I'm just always like, Oh my gosh, like, it's so hard. It's so Anthony just, he has the day off tomorrow and I'm like, what is this? Like, I feel like I'm being like, I don't know, pampered or something.
0: You're like a whole day off. What
2: (laughs) you get used to not having them around. And then when they are around, you're like, why are you here? (laughs) It it was off your whole day in a way. Cause you're like, I'm not used to having help. I'm not used to having another adult to wait for. Like, I'm used to just being like, okay, kids, let's go
1: (laughs) for real. So there's this, uh, this is kind of like on a sidetrack, but there was this like, uh, it's, I think it's on TikTok. I don't have a TikTok, but the person like posted it on their Instagram. And it was like, when my husband's not home and she's like lifting furniture, she's like moving all, all, the all stuff. Herself. Yeah. And then like, it was like when my husband's home and it's like, can you go get me a drink of water? And you're just like, <laughs> I'm like, I kind of feel that way because when Anthony's not home, I'm like super good woman. Yeah, And then, like, when he's home, I'm like, okay, can you, like, just help me? <laughs> it's nice to have a little breather. So, yeah. so wait, is Eliza, she's in
2: preschool, right? Yeah, she's in preschool now. How many days a week is she going? She goes three times a week, and it's half day.
1: Oh, wow, that's so cool. Yeah, she's loving it. Oh, that's so fun. Oh, man, Austin, yeah. Um, he just started preschool this last week and it's twice we were on the wait list because, um, I don't, I don't know what it's like down there, but like the only places that really you have your public school system, but it's every single day, um, like Monday through Friday, nine to 2 PM. And we were just like, oh, I don't like, it would just be too big of a jump for him to go. Cause he starts kindergarten next year. Yeah. Same. And, but then the other times, like he, um, like, so they have the public school systems that do that. And then they have the only other places that really offer preschool are like the Baptist churches around here. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he's going to one of those, but it's twice a week, nine to two. Cause we were on the wait list. So we were like,
2: whatever is there, whatever's is available. Is he loving it so far?
1: Yeah, he is. He's, he can like the first day he came on. He's like, man, that was long. Like, <laughs> so he's not, he's not, when he, we did preschool in Idaho Falls and it was only for like an hour and a half.
2: Yeah. They were really short there. I know I didn't put Eliza in last year because of that. I was like, that's not enough time for me. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I know. Right. It's like, you're like driving there and then you drive back and it's already like time for you to go get them. Yeah. <laughs> so. What about you,
0: May? Did you do anything fun?
1: Um, no, not, I mean, just. Grad schools like kicking my butt. Um, Austin's and preschool. I'm trying to think. Oh, I went to a little breakfast thing with um ladies that go to my church. That was super fun. Um, and then nothing. I, I book club tomorrow, so I'm really excited about that.
0: Man, I can't wait to be in a spot to like do those kinds of things. Like right now, I'm just in survival mode.
1: You just have you just had a baby, so it's like.
2: i know but my
0: brain is like craving like uh like socialization yeah social
2: interaction of it all yeah yeah
0: Yeah. i feel like it
1: takes me like i'm not even joking like a good year after i've had a kid to like be feel like myself again i don't know Mm -hmm.
2: no i'm the same
1: i just i don't i kind of like go into like a depressive state like after i have kids and it's just like i don't have i'm like okay See you guys in a year. Oh, boy. Um. Okay, real fast. Uh, crumble cookies came out.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Do you have a Crumbles
2: by you, Britta? We do. Do you like and them? I used to not like them. And I actually had a situation where I put my foot in my mouth because someone in our church owns one. Uh-huh. And... <laughs> father's day they gave all the men crumble cookies and I was like wow these are actually really good usually they're like disgusting and they fall apart when I've had them Mm -hmm. and she's like they shouldn't do that we own one and I was like oh well I need to call the people up in Idaho and like give them some tips because they don't know how to make them right because we ordered some the day after she told us that and they were all really good but I've totally been like keeping track of the whole crumble debacle and yeah, do you have all deals? the cookie <laughs> like, wars did something come up with that or? yeah
0: yeah nothing's nothing's really come of it yet i think they're still in the, in the midst of the lawsuit or whatever yeah. okay
1: i don't know we tried some of them when we went down to when i went to utah and i thought dirty dough was eh but crave was actually really good which is one of the people that they're suing yeah. Um but mm-hmm. the I thought the crumble cookie lineup this week, the one that I'm like, what the freak? Like they they're making an almost everything bagel cookie. What? Like sesame.
0: That like, sounds nasty.
1: I'm like, and they have it looks like it has a cream cheese on the top,
2: like softened cream cheese. Is that che- real?
0: Or is I'm it being like serious a- look?
2: Maybe like a cream cheese frosting.
1: Yeah, I don't know.
0: Nasty. Uh-huh. Uh.
1: Yeah, Thank you. I know. I'm like, oh, that's I don't know. Kind, of, I'm just. I really just want them to like come back with a little Jack Jack Num Num cookie. That's it. That's all I want. And every week I'm disappointed.
0: Um, Liz, do you have anything for? You know it. You know I got my what current Bank Corner details. Okay, tell us. Okay, so I debated between a few of them, and I think the most weird one to talk about is going to be Kanye West because Kanye West is always a hot mess and he's always got something going on. Um, he, over the last couple days, um, posted some stuff onto his Instagram about, um, like the Kardashians. Cause you know, like he, he and Kim are no longer together, but basically he just like called out all the other baby daddies of the Kardashian women um, and just said they're basically sperm donors and that's it. And that uh, Chris is the one who like runs the show and that none of them are like man enough to uh, stand up to Chris, but he's the only one that did. And that's why he's on the outs with them now. And he's the kid's father. So he should have more of a say in things and then he said something about like, Hey, Pete Davidson, how's, how's my kids names like that are tattooed on your body now that you guys are like, you know, broken up kind of stuff. But he went on a rant. That was like the shorting version of all that, but he went on a rant, posted tons of crap to Instagram and then he, he deleted, deleted it. Yeah. He deleted it all. But you know, the internet, because the internet's great the way it is that, you know, there's tons of screenshots of it all over. So you can find it anywhere. But- Um, But um, Ryan actually showed me this thing the other day um, That people were making their own fake rants Saying that they were Kanye West And like being like, I've got tons of diarrhea Or something like that So like people on Twitter were making their own rants trying Like pretending to be Kanye West I know it was kind of funny So now Kanye West is like being like I didn't say anything about having diarrhea That wasn't me So yeah. Anyway, that's my
1: current event corner. That's all. I didn't see. Do you do you have an opinion about the Kardashian thing, Britta, at all? What about it? Just like (laughs) part. uh, Um, I don't know. Like, did you see this? I Liz told me this today, and I was like, I didn't even. I saw some. I saw like a snippet of something about him, and. I think it was because wasn't he like blocked on Instagram or something for forever?
0: I'm not sure about that, but that probably sounds right.
1: I thought he like, I thought he posted something on Instagram and then he got like blocked from Instagram for a bit or 20 or maybe 24 hours. But, um, I don't know. I love and hate Kanye West, but. Sometimes I'm like, I don't know, the Kardashians kind of are a little bit screwed up, like, in terms of just kind of what you said last week, Lou, like, um, they, like, if you're not talking about them, like, how else do they make money type of thing?
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: I don't know. Did you see the, did you see this thing that she's talking about? No, but the, the, I guess you can say that my depth with the Kardashians is I watch their show. And on okay. hulu and that's basically it i don't really stay in tune with them in the news unless something were to pop up while i'm like scrolling instagram or something yeah. but do you that's you where i get all my the news. new one i haven't watched the newest season yet i didn't even realize there was a new one uh, out. is there a new one out yeah i guess that it's the, like, on hulu i thought right no? yeah
1: well no they have their like original like keeping up with the kardashians and that went on oh for yeah yeah however many seasons and then they like stopped, fil- they were like, Hey, this is the end, whatever. And then it was like maybe a year after they ended it that they were like, Hey, we're coming back. And it's just going to be called the Kardashians or something. Mm,
2: yeah. I've seen that one. Then I, I thought there were, you were saying there was a second season out of that one. I've seen the first uh, season of the new one on Hulu now. And I, I did like that one.
1: Yeah. What's your opinion? I'm curious. What's your opinion about um, Travis and Courtney? Like, do you like
2: them? Are you still like Team Scott? I never liked Scott really, but it's one of those where, I know, I've, I always watch the show because they're huge with like PDA and I'm like, even I, like, I don't mind PDA, but they take it to a new level. Sometimes it just makes me feel a little uncomfortable, but yeah. you know what? I'm like, props to you if that's your thing, but that would just make me uncomfortable.
0: <laughs> for sure. is like cringe to watch.
2: Yeah. They're very, they're a very interesting couple, but at the same time, sometimes I watch the show and I'm like, maybe you did find your match, but I mm-hmm. also believe that some of that is like totally staged. So, yeah, you yeah. know,
1: it's hard to tell what's real and what's yeah. What's staged. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, we're ready for the the meat of the episode So like I said, um, we have Britta on today, and we're super excited because she um, has a really cool story to share, and um, I'm really excited to hear it. So um, just a little bit about Britta. She has a bachelor's in public health, and um, life kind of had other plans for her, and now she's a stay-at-home mom. And she works part-time in sales for a hair, skin, and wellness uh, company. Um, she is also a heart mom and moms in the medical community. And she advocates for congenital um, heart disease and maternal mental health. Um, she also loves the outdoors and to read romance novels. hey i <laughs> I'm like Colleen Hoover i haven't um, tapped into her yet I oh haven't. man yeah she's pretty good um she her dream vacation is somewhere with a lot of greenery and no cell service
0: mm.
1: yeah i'm like i'm i like no cell service um she loves Thai food and relaxing with a bubble bath a long bubble bath and a cheesy netflix rom-com
0: dude that that sounds amazing
1: i know it's like yeah Okay, so um Britta, if you don't mind just like kind of telling us, so I know that um your son he was born with a congenital heart disease, correct? Yes, okay. so if you don't mind telling us kind of a little bit about your story, like, I guess like you know, how soon did you find out that he had a heart heart ish a heart problem and, Like in your pregnancy, did you ever feel like something was wrong or just like, kind of just give us, um, the background of everything.
2: Yeah. So we, um, Jack, my son, he was born in 2020 and we found out we were pregnant with him actually the week before everything locked down with COVID. And so it was like a week later that we found out and everything shut down. (laughs) So we ended up having a COVID baby, but it wasn't intended to be a COVID baby. (laughs) Um, but yeah, we found out we were pregnant with him. And then at my ultrasound for 20 weeks, you know, back during COVID, your husband or partner could not come with you to the appointments. You had to go by yourself. Mm -hmm. I went to my ultrasound and I thought everything was going to be good. I even joked with my husband. I was like, watch, this would be the one time that something would be wrong because with our first, um, he was able to go to all the appointments and I had preeclampsia with her. So I had a high risk pregnancy, but, and the one appointment he couldn't come with me to for our daughter was when I found out I had preeclampsia. So I was joking with him. I'm like, watch, this is when something's going to go wrong. Cause you can't come to this appointment too. Mm-hmm. And I look back, I'm like, man, I feel like I jinxed myself, <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah. So I went to my 20 week ultrasound and I didn't think there was anything wrong. I honestly, Was just like you know my first pregnancy gave me complications this is going to be a smooth easy pregnancy like we're not going to have any problems was just kind of my attitude about it and during the ultrasound the tech she was taking a long time when she was looking at the heart but they can't tell you anything for legal obligations and um he was also in a really weird position like he was like face down And kind of wedged in my pelvis a little bit. And so she's like having me move around doing all these things. And I had the same thing, the same problem when I had my ultrasound for Eliza and I had to move around because they just couldn't get good pictures and it all worked out. She was fine. So I just thought it was no big deal that they were having a hard time getting pictures. And um, she just told me that I would have to come back in like a week or two to get pictures taken again because he was being difficult. I was like, okay, not a big deal. And then I'm in the waiting room cause I don't know how it was at this office, but they send us back to the waiting room and then they would come get us for the, to go sit in the doctor's office. And so I'm sitting in the waiting room and she comes out to get her next patient. And we were like 15 minutes late for her next ultrasound appointment. And she looks at me and has this look on her face. And it was like, Oh no, something's wrong. Cause I just saw this look in her eye. Like she wasn't expecting to see me. Um, and I could just read her. I like something seemed off, but I didn't know what it was. And I kind of chalked it up to her running behind, you know, I'm like, Oh, well, maybe she's just nervous. Cause she's running behind for her appointment. Yeah. And so I, um, go to the, what do you call it? The appointment room? Yeah. I'm like, what's the wrong no, called the <laughs> <patient room?"
0: laughs>
2: yeah. and I, the doctor walks in and they just sit down and like, so we're concerned that your baby has a heart defect. And after that, I just remember being completely shocked. And I felt something on the inside just be like, it's going to be okay. We can yeah. fix it, is what I felt. And I was like, okay, so what does this mean? So after that, they're like, you know, it, it could mean they have down syndrome. Cause that's really common in babies who have heart defects. It could mean a lot of things. So we need you to go get like some genetic testing done. So I immediately went to the labs and it really hit me once I was sitting outside the lab waiting for blood work. And I just remember like breaking down Aww. and I'm sitting there. I'm just like, I don't want to cry in front of this lab tech. Like <laughs> I just want to get through this appointment and get home. Yeah. Um, so they take my blood work and um I get to my car and I just got to my car and I just started crying. I just was praying. I was like, God, please, just whatever this is, like whatever happens, please just like give me the tools and things I need to get through this because I can't do this alone. And I was so angry with God too. I was like, I've already had a rough life, I've had trials, like why does this, uh, another thing have to happen to me was what I thought. Yeah. And yeah. I just took everything I could to get home. Cause I was just bawling the whole way home, trying to drive and not crash the car. And I just walked <laughs> in and I felt so bad because Caleb, he was waiting for us. Cause I asked them to put the gender in an envelope Aww. so I could, we could open it and find out together. And I walk in the door, he's like, so what are we having? And I just like lost it. And I felt Oh. So guilty. I was, I felt like it was all my fault. Like I did something wrong. And I was like, I'm so sorry, but our baby has a heart defect and like, I don't know what to do. And so it was one of those things that's supposed to be this joyous, wonderful time. And it was completely unexpected, which I don't think any parents ever expect that, you know, that's the last thing you really plan on when you go to an appointment, you know, we all, the twenty-week appointment for most people is about finding out the gender of their baby, and it hadn't even crossed my mind that there could be something wrong. So right. yeah,
1: you so like up into like where you were at, you didn't ever like have a feeling that something was ever wrong. You just thought everything was
2: totally fine. Yeah, I had no weird feelings or anything. Like it was a pretty standard pregnancy compared okay. to my first and. I just thought everything was going to be the same. My only worry was that I might have preeclampsia again. And I was like, let's just not have to deal with that and we'll be good.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah. So what was he actually like diagnosed with? And what does that diagnosis mean then?
2: So, then his, guys- so his initial diagnosis is hypoplastic right heart syndrome, which means the right side of his heart didn't develop. Okay. And then he also was born with um transposition of the greater arteries which means that his two main arteries are switched so they're on the opposite sides and then his aorta that branches off of the heart it is actually really small and then he also had a few holes in his heart wall as well oh. so we had about like four or five heart defects which they couldn't see all of them in utero and we found out about the others after he was born and they did echoes and stuff to get better imaging okay wow so then so
1: it's so liz actually was born with heart problems and oh no way yeah Uh yeah so she's like always seen a cardiologist she so you were born with holes in your heart and then Uh you
0: also you didn't find out that you had the long, So yeah, I had pulmonary stenosis at birth, and then, okay. um and then as like a late teen, early twenties, I I developed a long QT. So that's just I don't know. It's but it's been okay. What it's is been the long QT? What is it? It's basically like I mean I'm not a cardiologist, so like, and I'm not in med school, guys. So I feel very. But you've watched Grey's Anatomy, so you're an expert
2: that makes you an expert yeah
0: the, the beats between the valve between the between the q and t like rhythm or whatever are elongated so that's what that means and it's like basically like you have like a higher risk of like passing out and stuff like that and like you can't take tons of medicine because it also like a lot elong- it can the, this one of the side effects is is that it can already elongate that qt um beat or whatever um So like, like when I was having the baby remember they said, you can't have this and you can't have that. So like, basically I just have to like, write it out. Like when I have a cold, I can't hardly take any cold medicine because that's one of the side effects is a long is like, it can, it can elongate that long QT. And since I already have that, it can make it worse. So
1: yeah, that sucks. (laughs)
0: Yeah. It kind of does.
1: But yeah. But you also had to see your like cardiologist before you got pregnant and then like during your pregnancy, because they wanted to make sure like your heart wasn't
0: yeah because pregnancy is hard on your body and like they want to make sure like that that added stress wasn't going to like make my heart problem worse and it it made it like a little bit hard like a little bit worse but not like to the point of like I had to be on bed rest or anything um but I mean I haven't had a follow-up let's see they told me to come, I don't know they told me a time frame to come back but I can't remember but basically just I'm just being monitored now at this stage of my life and just getting echoes and meeting with a cardiologist and like getting EKGs and just like stuff like that at this point. So, so it's good.
1: Sorry to like, uh, go on that tangent, but kind of to back up. So after you got your genetic testing, did they have you go see a cardiologist?
2: Yeah. So the heart isn't fully developed until 24 weeks in utero. So they have you wait until 24 weeks to go meet with, um, they had a, us go meet with a maternal fetal medicine for another echo just to confirm if there was an actual heart defect or not. Cause they were like, you know, wait another four weeks, let all the chambers and everything get fully developed. And then that will confirm what's going on and you guys can go from there. So at 24 weeks, um, we went and I went and met with maternal fetal medicine. All of this, by the way, was happening when Caleb was taking his boards Oh gosh. So yeah. So we literally found out totally uh, my appointment for my 20 week was on Friday. We left that Sunday to fly to Arizona for his boards. Cause Bridget, did you guys have the problems where like yeah. Anthony's boards all got canceled and everything and you had to reschedule?
1: Yeah. That was like, well, I totally forgot that that happened. And like, <laughs> we were moving and like, isn't that right? Yeah. Yeah. Cause we moved in 2020, July
2: yeah, we all ended yeah. up moving that summer or fall.
1: Yeah. That's crazy. Holy yeah. God. So
2: we found out and he was taking his boards that Monday. So that was my other pr- problem where I was like, you're going to fill your boards because you're having all this stress about our baby. Like this is the worst, but, uh, like the nice thing was, and it was a blessing in disguise that was since we were going to Arizona, all of our families down there. So we were able to go spend time with family after receiving, um, the possible diagnosis. And he got to take his boards and we got to spend a week with family, which was really nice, but That's comforting, it was just crazy.
0: <laughs> do you have, do you guys have heart disease or, uh, defects like in your run in your family at all?
2: No. Okay. And so it was really random. Um, and what Jack has, he, it's not genetic, but mm-hmm. if someone in your family has it, it can increase the likelihood of like if Jack has kids and they don't use a sperm donor, then he has an increased chance of having a kid with a heart defect. And now that we have a kid with a heart defect, our chances are increased as well to have another kid with a heart defect. Interesting.
0: So, sorry. um, You said his initial diagnosis was the hypoplastic
2: something. Right heart. Right heart. Okay. Did he, did the diagnosis change? Um, no, they just added more on. So it was still the hypoplastic right heart. They just found more defects after he was born. Okay. Okay.
1: So you guys, so then you guys kind of meet with a cardiologist and you guys moved, but were you still seeing your, the team in Boise?
2: No. So I had to set up a whole new team after we moved and that we were really hoping to get to stay in Boise. Um, Like we talked to the school to see if there was any exceptions they could make. They wouldn't make, let you have that exception, like the hardship thing. Yeah. Well, we had already found out where we were going at that time. Oh my gosh. And so we messaged them and we're like, is there any opening spots possibly that could allow us to stay? And they were like, sorry, there aren't like someone would have to drop out or it just wasn't going to happen. And it was really frustrating at the time, but it ended up being like a through blessing. this whole journey, we just kind of like see God's hand in all of it. And so during it, we were just so frustrated and angry. Cause I, we had met a pediatric cardiologist. We had a whole team set up in Boise and everything was set up. And I was like, great. They set it up all for us. But when we moved to Idaho falls, which has, you know, Bridget and it's more rural. Uh-huh. They didn't have a pediatric cardiologist out there. So we had to go down to Utah for everything, which oh, was wow. about a three, three and a half hour drive. Yeah. Holy crap. And Did you
0: guys go to primaries? Is that where you ended up going? Yes.
2: Yeah. yeah. Okay. So we ended up at primaries, but when we, yeah, after we moved to Idaho falls, I had to get set up with an OB out there and everything. And I remember getting to my first OB appointment and, uh, I explained to him what was going on. He's like, wow. So what are you going to do? And I was just like, I don't know. You're supposed to be helping me. I'm like, what are you gonna do? Yeah, I'm like, I was like 30 weeks pregnant, I think, at the time. Mm -hmm. It was August and I was due in October and I was just like, You're supposed to help me. Like, what do you mean? Holy
1: crap.
2: It was just it was really overwhelming, but we ended up getting set up uh with primary children's and it all worked out in the end, and we ended up delivering down at primaries. Did you have to schedule it because of like cuz I feel like didn't he have open heart
1: surgery like days after he was born? Yeah, he did. He cool. had him
2: at 8 days old.
1: Holy cow. So did you like did you have to be induced
2: so that you mm-hmm. they could schedule the surgery right after? Or? Yeah, so they have you go down there you're allowed to carry until either you go into labor or they induce you, whichever comes first. But they had me scheduled at 39 weeks for my induction. And then um, they wanted me down there when I was about 37 weeks. And I went down at like 38 weeks. Cause I got checked out and they're like, I was like, I'm just going to wait. And, yeah.
1: Um, Holy cow. Meanwhile, like Caleb's in medical school, you
2: still have a toddler at home. Yeah. Do you have (laughs) family in Utah? No, we didn't have any family. And thankfully my mom, she lives in Idaho half the year. She met her husband up there. She's a travel nurse and we're from Arizona originally. So her husband lives in Idaho falls. So you're able to actually have my mom. Like five minutes down the road from us, so she was able to help and like watch my daughter and help with appointments and things. And then our family also flew up from Arizona to help and. Wow. Yeah, it was a crazy time. Do you know what? Sorry,
0: I'm just gonna say this. Um, so that's Primary Children's. I have such like it's near and dear to me. That's where I went through all of my stuff too when I was. You know, a, a kid. And until literally maybe like five years ago, I was still seeing the pediatric cardiologist because they're just so good at what they do. And legitimately, they were like, ma'am, you're 28 years old. <laughs> you need to start seeing an adult cardiologist. And I was like, I don't <laughs> want to, though. I'm surprised they let you so go that long. <laughs> well, yeah, they just, I mean, they let me go for as long as I wanted, basically. So, Yeah. But they kicked me out. (laughs) They were basically, yeah. So it was was funny, but yeah, they do great. They're great
2: there. Yeah. We, they have a near and dear place in my heart. It's one of those places that I'm so fond of, but also I'm okay. If I never go there again. Right. Right. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, I love primaries. I have nothing but good things to say about them. Good. Good. Yeah. That's
1: where our mom works. So that's, that's cool.
2: Oh yeah. I forgot about that.
1: So, so then, so you have Jack and then like was he taken in the nicu
0: like or or the cardi or do they have a
2: cicu or they've got a yeah the sick
0: unit primaries
2: yeah so i delivered at university of utah and they have like special rooms there for high risk babies that are connected they have this little window that's connected to the nicu and so he was born and they basically like put him on my chest clean him off super quick and then pass him over through the window Aww. And so I didn't get to hold him. That was like the hardest part for me because I didn't really get to hold him or have that time. But there were so many risks with his heart where they're like, you know, he might not be breathing when he comes out. If he might have problems, so just like be aware that that's why you don't really get to hold him. And I just remember when I was having him, all I wanted was to hear him cry, and I was like, because I know if he's crying, he's breathing. Mm -hmm. and then I'll be okay and so I heard him cry and I was like okay you can take him yeah
0: oh
1: oh my gosh so
0: so you could only visit him then like in the NICU or whatever it was like he wasn't in in your room at night
2: yeah so he was born at like 1 30 in the morning around there and um I saw him again at 5 30 when they brought him by because they were transporting him over to primaries Mm Mm-hmm. So they stopped by our room to show him and, you know, they have a connecting bridge between the two hospitals. So Caleb was able to walk over and see him, which we're both like, we've been up for almost 24 hours at this point, just totally delirious. Right. And so he was able to walk over and see where they put him in the the CICU, Mm -hmm. which is like the cardiac intensive care unit. And um then he came back and we slept for a little bit and then I went over at eight o'clock. I remember waking up, I like showered. I was like, I just want to get over and see my baby. Yeah. <laughs> so I just showered and he wheeled me over there in the wheelchair and I got to hold him, snuggle him for a little bit. And
0: Aww. yeah, it
2: was it was a completely different experience than you know, having my first and getting that little one-on-one time.
1: Oh my right. Gosh.
2: So he's, he's how, how many surgeries has he had so far? He's had two. Oh wow! Um, he had his first when he was eight days old. And then his second one was at four months old and he's had a bunch of cats in between that and stuff.
1: But- so I know you said that he, so he had, he was born with this diagnosis and you said that they added more on, was that kind of just because like
2: they were able to see more during heart surgery or. Yeah, so after he was born, they take them and they get an echo, which is an ultrasound of the heart for those who aren't familiar. And they got more pictures and they were able to see that he was born with multiple heart defects and it wasn't just the one, which complicated things more. Um, His surgeon, who's been doing this for a very long time, was saying, He's like, I've seen all of these defects, but never all together at the same time. He basically described his heart as a little jigsaw puzzle. Mm -hmm. And that was really hard because, you know, before no one ever talked to us about comfort care, no one ever made it seem like that was, there was a reason to do that. But after they found out about his other heart defects, you know, they had to go sit us down and they're like, do you still want to proceed with his surgeries or do you want to just do comfort care, Mm -hmm. like make those decisions, which was kind of when it hit me, well, this is more serious than me expected it was going to be right oh man and you just had the baby
0: you just had him right so you're like there's just so much going on at that time too
2: yeah I remember sitting there and be like what what are you talking about comfort care like of course we're going on with the surgeries like I was was like on the inside I was kind of full of rage like of course I'm gonna do the surgeries like and try to save my kid's life because without them he wouldn't have lived to be like a month old oh wow That's wow. That's like intense, dude. Yeah. It was crazy. (sighs) What does his diagnosis
1: mean? Like, like for him, like long-term or yeah, I guess long-term and just, um, like, so is he, was he not getting like
2: blood to different areas or. Um, so basically it means like he was born with half a heart is the way I describe it in layman's terms and our heart, one side of it pumps blood to our body. And the other side of it pumps blood to our lungs, which then goes out to our body and provides oxygen. So everything can function. Yeah. And so since the way his heart was born, it wasn't able to get to the lungs properly. And so he doesn't have enough oxygen Producing in his body, basically. So, the average person, your oxygen levels, like if you were to go to the doctors or an ER, they always put that little thing on your finger to check your oxygen levels. And an average normal human being is anywhere between 90 to 100. If you're healthy, you should be 95 or higher. Um, but he sits at 75 to 85 for his oxygen levels still, or that was, um, still. Yeah. Okay. Before his surgeries, he had to be on oxygen. Even after he had to be on oxygen for a year and on a liter of oxygen, he would sit at like se- between 75 and 80. Wow. Is he okay. still on oxygen? No, he's not on oxygen anymore. Thank goodness. Woo! because. Yeah. That's like carrying around another child and it's such a pain. (laughs) (laughs) That was the best feeling when we got off oxygen.
1: Oh, I bet. Oh man,
2: I can only imagine.
1: Because wasn't there like a thing going on where they didn't have, like there was like a shortage or something with oxygen tank? I feel like there was something going on with those during COVID. Maybe I'm just making this up in my brain.
2: I think that sounds familiar. But I don't remember. It effective. didn't affect us. Yeah, we were okay enough that I know that I think hospitals were running short of them. Yeah, I knew yeah. there was a saline shortage. I want to say too, but yeah, we it didn't affect us. Thankfully. Holy cow! Yeah, that's
1: uh, I I thought that there was something going on, but maybe I'm just I don't know.
0: Yeah. Um. So, Brit, I know you kind of already told us. Uh right after the diagnosis you were able to go home to Arizona and like be around family during like uh, your husband taking his boards. Um, but you were still in medical school and doing that type those, that 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 portion of life. Um how did you guys like survive it? Because it sounds like you didn't have like, I mean your mom was down the road in Idaho. Um but like you had to come to Utah. Like how did you get through it all like trying to like navigate all that and Um, did that contribute to thing, did that, did, to medical school or like having support or not having support, did that contribute or not contribute to things going smoothly or not smoothly? That's um, a good question.
2: Sorry. Yeah, no, you're good. I was like, how can I answer this in the most way <laughs> possible without it taking like 30 minutes? <laughs> <laughs> but so in a way, like medical school, it was great because we, we found out early enough because not all families find out at their 20 week ultrasound. Mm-hmm. And so we were able to find out early enough that we could contact his school. He was able to get a month off, like take his vacation month when I was having Jack and then his month after that, it was a really easy rotation. They like, I don't remember which one it was, but they scheduled it. So his schedule was more flexible and he was able to have like the weekends off. So we were able to, um, kind of trade. What was he doing? Oh, he was doing. So his second month he was doing a, like, they had to write a research paper. So he wasn't really in rotation. Remember that month, Bridget? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So we got it all set up. So when Jack was in the hospital, we would trade weeks where I would go up to Idaho and spend time with our daughter. And then Caleb would be at the hospital and we would just do it about a week at a time. Mm-hmm. That way she was still getting to see mom and dad, but we were both still being at the hospital and also getting a break from hospital life. Cause it just gets really depressing and redundant and it's really overwhelming. Right. Um, but Being in medical school also in the same time was a blessing because, you know, in medical school, we're just living off of student loans and what little income we can make here and there. I had been working at a gym daycare before COVID just to bring in some income, but I lost my job because of COVID and, but we were on Medicaid and so it was a blessing in disguise because we didn't have to worry about paying for all the surgeries, all of these things while we were in school, because we were able to get that assistance and mm. that in itself just took such a weight off. Cause we still had to pay for traveling food, um, traveling expenses. Yeah. Food Ronald McDonald house will usually house you, but because awesome. of COVID they had restrictions and they didn't have as much room. So we had to pay for an Airbnb for a couple weeks like all these extra expenses that added up and our families helped us when they could, but it's still a lot, like they can only help Mm -hmm. so much. And so it ended up just kind of all working out the way it was supposed to, but it was, it was still a lot. And you just get to this point where you're in survival mode and you look back and you're like, how did we get through that?
1: (laughs) Holy cow. I can't even imagine because JD stayed in the NICU for two weeks and we just lived like, like kitty corner to air Mac. So it was like, we would switch off like going throughout the day. And so it was, the, I just can't even imagine being like three and a half hours away. That's yeah, wild. To it's me.
2: pretty lonely. I, thankfully I have a really good friend in Utah, one of my old college roommates. And so I would text her and, you know, she would come see me for lunch if she, on the weekends, if she could, and she kind of helped keep me sane. And I had another friend there who lives down the street from primary. So I would just like talk to And it's one of those where you're just so exhausted from hospital life where people are like, Hey, let me make you dinner coming over. And at the end of the day, you're just so drained that you kind of just want to go and sleep and not talk to anyone. Cause you're not a fun person to be around. How long was he at? Like, how long was it that he got to go home? He was in the hospital for a month after being born. Wow. And then after his second surgery, it was a week, which is really good. Cause I know people who have the same condition as him and they are still in the hospital. They've, they've been in the hospital for over a year. Holy cow. So,
1: yeah. yeah. So, so has his um, heart condition like delayed any milestones and kind of um, along that, like what's his trajectory with life? Like how will his life look like with these? um, like, uh, disorders of his heart.
2: So it did delay him a little bit, but he actually did really well. One of the things primary does is before you go home, they make sure you're set up with early intervention programs. And so from the time he came home, he was immediately put into occupational therapy, because just, you know, he's getting cut open. So it affects his chest muscles Mm -hmm. and all these things. And he wasn't allowed, we couldn't pick him up underneath his arms for 10 weeks after his surgery, like it was eight or 10 weeks. So we had to just kind of scoop him up. Um, and he was also on a feeding tube when he came home too. So he had to, um, learn how to eat properly and take a bottle but it's really nice because they make sure that from the get-go they're set up with early intervention and so even if it wasn't a concern at the time they're constantly watching him and making sure that he's not falling behind so he did have a little speech delay for a while but now he talks better than my daughter did at his age <laughs> so he totally got
0: it.
2: or two this yeah he'll be two this year
1: we're so we're getting JD like set up with a speech therapist because he like hasn't really talked and so and they don't know like when we met we met with like an early intervention thing and they're like it could be that he was like it's COVID and you know he like delays it it could be that he was born premature like it could be all these things so you feel like it went like did he you said he did speech therapy
2: yeah he did and it's really nice because like they can only do so much, but they teach you tools and things to do at home to help them excel. And that was the biggest thing with him is just applying those tools. And eventually it just clicked and he started picking up words like crazy.
1: Oh, that's cool. So sorry. So how will his um, like outlook
2: on life be like? Yeah. Um, so with him, with people with his heart defect, everyone's different. He has to have a third open heart surgery between the ages of three and five. It depends. Um, They watch like their oxygen levels to see when they start going closer to heart failure and then they have to have their next open heart surgery. Um, And this one is his final one for the process. Mm -hmm. And um, so that's great. We're getting ready for that. We'll hope we'll start prepping for it next year. But as for... As far as for people with him, like him go about 75% of them will live to like 18 years old and some of them might need heart transplants. Some of them might need more medical stuff done. It really is just kind of like a wait and see, you know, similar to Liz every year, he'll have cardiac checkups. He'll have stuff just monitoring him and seeing where he's going. And it really is just like a wait and see kind of thing, but he's not going to be super athletic. You know, he gets winded even now, if he's jumping on the bed, he'll just hear him like wheezing. <laughs> oh. He sounds like it just, you know, he sounds like me if I'm running up the stairs, <laughs> <laughs> but he just gets tired really easily. He can't keep up. Even Eliza's to the point where I'm like, he's still a baby. So he is a little slow, but she's like, mom, Jack gets tired. And I'm like, yeah, cause you know, he doesn't have a heart like yours, his doesn't work as well. And mm-hmm. so it's one of those things where he'll be able to do things, but he's never going to be like an amazing athlete. And we'll have those kinds of limitations.
0: And that's okay.
2: That's yeah. You know,
0: yeah. That's totally fine. Um, so what does, uh, what does like being the parent or like uh, the, a heart mom look like for you now? Like, what does that
2: entail for you? Right now, our life has been really good. Um, you know, we are to the point where, you know, we've just moved to Texas this year. So we've been getting his care set up down here. We're having to get a whole new team set up, find cardiologists that are covered by insurance now. That was one of the wonderful things with Medicaid. that Everything was covered. So we didn't have to worry about that. Yeah. Um, but just getting his care and stuff set up down here. Um, you know, with him, he takes medication twice a day to help with like his blood pressure and he had clotting after his surgery. So he has to take aspirin, but for the most part, our life is pretty normal. Um, for me, there's just times where it still affects my mental health, just knowing and watching what he goes through. But at the same time, he's like the happiest freaking kid. And I watch him and I'm like, you know, if he can be this happy, not that he knows the difference between having a whole heart or not, he just is happy to be alive, but he can find joy and be so happy. Then I can also do that for him is where my mind tries to go. Cause Mm -hmm. you know, I want to be the best mom for him. I can be and Yeah. Oh man.
0: I can't even imagine like the emotional and mental like toll that would take on somebody and. Like sounds like you guys. I mean, you've been through it, but it sounds like
2: you guys are in a good spot. So that's really good. Yeah, it's a weird place to be in. A I was my husband and I talked about it frequently. Where I'm like, you know, it's a weird thing to sit there and be like, oh, we have to have plans in place for if our child dies. Yeah, and there's people I know where, like, with him, the way his heart functions, it could stop working at any minute, and. Oh. I think that's the hardest thing is on the outside he could look totally fine, but the inside there could be something wrong and we could have no idea. Does he have a pacemaker or anything like that? Nope, he doesn't. He might need one when he's older, but right now he doesn't need one.
1: I can't even, like, like I'm just like, man, my problems, like, seem so, like,
2: (laughs) trivial. (laughs) I'm like, yeah, but don't compare. That's my older sister says the same thing. She just had her first kid last year. And she's like, dude, I don't know how you do it. Like you have a kid who has a disability and I'm here with a normal kid. And I'm like, yeah, but it's, you can't compare like apples to oranges, you know? I know. I'm like,
0: my biggest problem is like getting Robbie to sleep. Like, I'm like, that is like, (laughs) <laughs> Nothing, like you know, in the ground. That's the biggest things.
2: challenging part. I swear, even with everything, sometimes just a good night's sleep is a miracle. And
0: yeah, yeah.
2: yeah.
1: <laughs> so I know that you said that it, um, like, has affected your mental health, kind of, and that's kind of leads me to my next question. But do you feel like, um, you have any anxiety or didn't have any anxiety over a diagnosis, and kind of how do you manage it or not manage it? Oh,
2: absolutely. <laughs> I <laughs> definitely like had anxiety <laughs> over It's like, yeah, it's, it's just comes with the diagnosis. It comes with the title. Um, but I tried after he was born, my anxiety was really bad and I got to a point where I almost had myself checked into an institution because I didn't trust myself around my kids anymore. I was having panic attacks. I was having really, uh, dark thoughts. And I had really bad postpartum depression with my daughter. So I was really aware of it, but, mm-hmm. um, I tried going back on anxiety meds and that didn't work. And thankfully I was already set up with a therapist from before when I had my daughter, I had gone into therapy and I just stuck with her.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And, uh, so thankfully I had a therapist I could talk to and that really helped to make a difference. And then I think just over time, Um, learning to accept that, like, nothing was gonna change, you know, this, it's okay that this is our life and being okay with it. You know, you have, there's a grieving process. I feel like that a lot of medical moms and even typical moms go through this too, where you have this idea in your head of what your pregnancy is going to be like, what you're going to be like as a mom in the newborn phase, all of that. Mm -hmm. And so when you don't get that, you kind of grieve a little bit, you know, you didn't get those moments after birth. You don't get to have those moments snuggling your baby at home. You have to deal with them hooked up to machines and all that. So really just working and allowing myself to feel those feelings and allowing myself to be sad and being like, I don't have to be okay all the time. Like, it's okay to be like, this sucks. And I hate that this is our life. And that doesn't make me a bad person that doesn't make me a bad mom. And it's okay to like have phases in your life where things are really hard and you're not going to be happy. And, you know, you just kind of have to learn to work through it and accept those emotions.
1: Yeah. I I like 100% wholeheartedly. I mean, obviously I'm not dealing with anything like you've dealt with, with your son, but um, I definitely like have learned to appreciate, like uh, appreciate, or like understand better that like there's a season for everything and even if like I may be going through the season of whatever it is right now like it's going to change it's not forever I guess.
2: Yeah, so, absolutely.
1: Um so kind of like looking back is there anything that you would have done differently and um along those lines like for anybody that is going through or is about to go through, like what you've gone through with your son, I guess, what kind of words of advice or encouragement would you give them?
2: I don't think there's anything I would have done differently because I don't think looking back that there's anything I could have done differently right, with right. what I knew and the knowledge I had. Um, I didn't really start connecting with other People in the heart mom community until after his second surgery, because it was just something I didn't want to face or acknowledge. Like some people want to do all the research, know everything that's going to happen. And I was better off being naive and just tell me what I need to know when it's about to happen. Mm -hmm. Because I would, I initially joined Facebook groups and things to learn, and people are posting pictures of their kid having surgery and all these things. And I was still pregnant, and I'm like, I don't want to think about my baby having that happening right now. So I ended up just having to leave those groups because it wasn't great for my mental health. Some people it's great for them, but me, it was the exact opposite. I couldn't do, I, I would be the same way, dude. Yeah.
0: I'm like, tell me what I need to know. And I need to know it and I'll deal with it then. Yeah. That's how I was with my pregnancy, like going into like being delivered. I asked me these questions. I'm like, I don't know what any of that means. So just let me know what you need for me to do right this second. I did zero homework
2: coming into here. So yeah. And some people love that. Some people love the research and yeah, I'm like, please let me have my naive bliss and I will just figure it out as I go. I like to live in LA La and my husband, like when we found out, I was like, he went to his school and like sat and did a bunch of research after we received our diagnosis. And Mm. I was like, that was his way of coping because that's how he learns and digests things. And me, I was like, just tell me what I need to know, babe. Like if there's Mm. something you feel like I need to know, let me know. Otherwise I'm just going to sit here and be like, cool. Well, I'm going to enjoy my pregnancy and we'll deal with this when he gets here.
1: Right, man. You have like willpower. I'm like, I'm like, Hey, Dr. Google, like what's going on. (laughs) (laughs) I could not yeah but yeah that's anyway oh. what so sorry what would you um uh, if someone was going through this what advice would you give them
2: um really just to take it a day at a time dude like I talk to new heart moms frequently and the number one question I get is like how did you do it and um, what they should know. And I just tell them, like, just allow yourself to feel all the feelings. Cause I learned that because the repercussions I had with my daughter, when I received the preeclampsia diagnosis and I had to go on bed rest, I was that person who was like, I'm fine. Everything's fine. I'm great. It's all good. Like, okay. Preeclampsia. Cool. Like whatever. Mm -hmm. And that ended up, I feel like backlashing in the end, I ended up actually really Having a, what's it called when you get depressed while you're pregnant? And but I was afraid to tell people because oh. I was like, oh my gosh, they're gonna think that I like hate my baby, that I don't want this baby. I was so scared. I had never been pregnant before, mm-hmm. but on the inside, I was a freaking mess. And so it wasn't until after she was born, and you know, I was going through the sleep deprivation, and all of these things, and learning how to breastfeed, and all that stuff, that mm-hmm. it really hit me, and I was like, I am not okay. Yeah. <laughs> But just like allow yourself to feel the feelings. Don't be afraid to ask questions. Um, I think it's the most helpful for me. At least I keep a little notepad on my phone. So if I have questions that pop up for our next cardiology appointment, I can write them down. There's no such thing as a stupid question when it comes to talking with your doctors about this Mm -hmm. and know what you want to know. You know, if you're the kind of person that likes to do the research that likes to immediately get connected go for it. Like I've had heart moms who live in different places in the country who are like, can I call you and just pick your brain about your experience? I'm like, sure. Give me a call. We can chat like that. And other people, they're like, I don't want to do that. <laughs> I'm like, that was me. I don't blame you. So. Yeah.
0: Man, social media is good for that kind of stuff. Like bringing people together and if, having the support if, and like to the level that you want. So that's really cool. Yeah, I actually it really had- is.
1: I had another question, but um, how did how did like Caleb and like how did he um deal with Jack's diagnosis and even just now like or even Eliza like has she like understood kind of what he's been born I mean obviously may not know like all the technical stuff or maybe she does but um has that been hard for her to kind of have a brother that. Has this diagnosis or disability?
2: So with Caleb, he is one of those people, he just kind of keeps his emotions inside. Um, but during all of this was like the first time I actually see him like really get rocked with his emotions, but he handled it really well. Yeah. Like if I was have I don't know how I would do medical school or school in general while going through this. And just watching him go through it all, he did a really amazing job. He's really good at um, being able to separate his emotions when he needs to. Um, But he was really my rock during all of it. And basically, you know, he's my best friend and being able to talk to him and about all the scary things and the things you're afraid to say out loud. Like that's other advice I give to new parents who are going through this is, talk about the stuff that you're afraid to say out loud because the truth is it could happen Mm -hmm. and it's better to talk about it before it happens praying it never does but you know have those conversations so you're not having to make those decisions if they do happen you know we didn't want to have to decide like if our child dies what are we going to do and like what kind of uh, provisions do we want to make and so he did really good Mm -hmm. Uh, Eliza she did great it was hard for her having us separated she ended up getting really bad separation anxiety after we were gone Mm -hmm. Um, that was really hard when once we were all home she would always run into our room in the middle of the night to check if we were there Mm -hmm. and that was heartbreaking to see and just she'd run and be like mom dad are you still here oh that way how much older is she than Jack They're about two and two, two and a half years apart. Okay. Okay. So she was old enough where she could understand like mom was gone. Mom's having a baby, Mm -hmm. you know, but she didn't fully understand everything at the time. And uh, that was really hard to just see how it affected her.
0: Right. That Um, would be hard.
2: Yeah. That was rough. But now that she's getting older, you know, just last week we had a conversation about how her brother has half a heart, and she's like, "What do you mean, Mom? Like this?" And she knows how to make a heart with her hands. I was like, "Yeah, that's your heart. Oh. You know, now take the other side away, and that's what Jax is like." And she's like, "Oh, like, yeah. So he his is smaller than yours, mm-hmm. and it doesn't work as well." And so we were just kind of talking about that. And she's always known that he has a special heart, like. There were times when I'd be like exhausted and getting frustrated, and I might be like, dude, you know, like, can you just wait a second and let me get you food? Like, one of those mm-hmm. mom moments where, like, just stop touching me and I'll make you your bottle or I'll get you a snack. Like, just mm-hmm. give me a second. And I like snapped at her, and she's like, Mom, be nice. Jack has a special heart. I'm just like, thank oh. you for putting me in my place. <laughs> so she's definitely the protective big sister but they're also at that phase where they like either love each other or hate each other right now and you never know what it's gonna be
0: (laughs) oh that's cute dude oh so to wrap things up on our for last question here um what can we do or other people around you to um rally around kids or families um of people who have a, a CHD? What can, what can we do to support them? Are, are there support groups? Like, how does that work?
2: There are support groups out there for people who have families that have medical conditions or siblings if they are struggling with that. But I think the biggest thing from people that I've talked to is try to educate yourself on your family member or your friend's diagnosis in a way. Try to understand what it is because the biggest thing with people who have CHG is it's not obvious on the outside, you know, all of their scars are under their clothing to you and I, they look like an average, normal human being, mm-hmm. but like me, I can see that my kid struggles to breathe normally. I can see that his, the whites of his eyes are more blue and his lips are blue because he has like oxygen. I can see that kind of stuff, but to an average person, they don't notice that. Mm-hmm. And so Really just educating yourself and also advocating for them. Like if they are doing heart walks or fundraisers, it means so much to parents and people in the community to go and support them if you can. Even if it's just like buying a t-shirt online, um, just showing some way to support them. But, um, oh, my mind just slipped. I just had a total blank out. (laughs)
1: Is there one, is there like a a fundraiser that you like recommend, like, um, an organization or anything like that that you,
2: yeah, depending on where you are in the country, they're like primaries has their own. They do a walk usually in the fall. Um, they've been virtual for the last couple years, but they'll do, them. and in Utah, they're in primaries. The CHF is congenital heart foundation in Texas and they're through Texas children's. They do one. So a lot of children's hospitals, they usually have foundations that you can go through. And if you want to find one that's in your area, just Googling it is wonderful. Um, But that's the other thing is most people who have congenital heart disease and they're adults, they don't have a lot of cardiologists that are educated because back in the early eighties, you know, if you were born with this condition, it usually was, there's nothing to treat it. And it Ugh. was just kind of like comfort care. Ooh. And so all these procedures that my son is now able to do and have, it was, it didn't exist like 40 years ago, really. Well, wow. so a lot of, um, kind of like you, Liz, most people who have this condition who are adults, they still go to pediatric cardiologists because there's not adult cardiologists who really know how to treat them. There's there, These are new things that they're all learning. Yeah. yeah. Oh man. Yeah. I remember doing,
0: um, oh my gosh, what was it called? Something for heart, Jump jump rope for heart. Did you guys do that in elementary school? Yeah. Yeah. I remember doing that and like always being like, I have to do this because like I have a heart problem and I need to like, you know, pay it forward type of thing. I was like, you know, in elementary school, what did I even know about that?
2: <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I
0: remember like, you know, getting dressed like appropriately to jump all the jump ropes and all that stuff. I don't know. It was all about I'm it. Everyone
2: was big back in the day, man. I remember being very serious about it.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Me too. Oh man. So funny. Oh. Dude, this has been really good. I really like enjoy, I mean, enjoy, I don't know if enjoyed the right word, but like having this conversation was really good. So thanks for sharing Yeah. Thanks for
2: having me. I'm just like over
1: here. I'm like, man, like I, you guys are like literally one of the strongest people I know, because I have no idea what I would be like in that situation. Not just like that situation alone, but like I'm on the same side in in the sense that like I have a husband that was in medical school. And even now, like, I'm sure obviously like you're still dealing with some things with him and and um i'm just like i don't know how like adding all of that into the mix of like what's already going on so yeah you guys are awesome i don't yeah um but yeah we really appreciate you coming on and being able to share your story and helping us also kind of understand what life is like, you know, with somebody that was born with us. So I really, really appreciate it. Yeah. I mean too.
0: ditto from what Bridget said.
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, I appreciate you guys letting me come on and share. It means a lot. Yeah. All right. Well,
1: it's, it's been a good talk and, um, we'll catch you next week.
0: Sounds good. Bye.